Welcome to the KuzaCast, where we interview some of the most influential people in tourism from around the world. My name is Graham Watson, and I'm the founder of Kuza Global. The word Kuza means a new dawn, and in 2023, we want to find out just how our guests are working towards that new dawn. Join us and subscribe to future episodes as we hope to inspire you with stories of strength and resilience in the tourism industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Kuza Cast. We are here today with Jackie Reynolds, the founding and managing partner of Onshow Solutions. Many of you may know Jackie as well if you've ever been on one of her road shows. So welcome to Kuza Cast, Jackie. Thank you, Graham. Awesome to be with you and to have a chance to chat about everything. It's really good to be here. Thanks. No problem at all. It's, uh, yeah, the Kuza Cast is going well. Everybody seems to be uh, enjoying listening to uh, the fellow members of the industry and even those who aren't in the industry are enjoying learning more. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, so let's kick off and just let us know a bit more about uh, what you do uh, with Onshow Solutions and the Africa Showcase and uh, and a bit about your history and how you got into the tourism industry. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Africa Showcase is a series of road shows that we take around the world. Um, essentially, we get to travel around the world telling people to come to Africa. Is that not a cool job? Huh? So Absolutely. that to me is the ideal and we've really worked it into doing what we believe we are passionate about and playing our role in the industry about bringing people to Africa. So our road shows take us into the key source markets. Essentially, it, it replaces a sales trip as if you were going in on your own. Um, so we have people that join us to come on to the events so that we can introduce and connect people to the major operators and agents that sell Africa in those markets. Um, so that's in a nutshell how Africa Showcase works. Um, we also run various other exhibitions over the years. We've run in Daba, Meetings Africa, the Magical Kenya Travel Expo. So yeah, very much exhibition and events work, but always, always for the tourism industry. So that's what we we believe in. Um, History-wise, gosh, um, looking back, oh, I always wanted to do tourism since so Standard 5 Geography, when we learned the capitals of the world. Um, but you, you could only really train to be a travel agent. There was nothing really in terms of learning to do tourism marketing, which was always more what I believed I wanted to do. So I uh, studied a PR degree for three years and did some temp work with an exhibition company in Durban. And um, that was at the House and Garden show back in those days. And then, Back in those days, yeah. Yeah, and then I phoned them up for a reference and they said, well, why don't you come and work with us? And that was me suddenly falling into the exhibition industry. I don't think anybody really studied it at that stage, um, which was just something that you fell into. Um, so that was a couple of years, and then I moved into, moved across to the UK, and I got a job with Reed Travel Exhibitions, and that was the first time I really got to take exhibitions and tourism into the same space, and I realized I could actually do what I always wanted to do um, by combining the skills. So that was really cool, working on World Travel Market, London, Arabian Travel Market, CIS Travel Fair in Russia and Mediterranean travel fair in Cairo. Gosh, some of those are a long way back. Um, and then, yeah, then I came back to South Africa. And um, when I came back, I knew that I wanted to work on the Indaba account. 
So that was without fail. It was that was what I was going to do. So I phoned up Craig Newman at Kahisa Exhibitions and I said, right, I'm coming for an interview. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm coming for an interview. I'm going to work on the Indaba account. He said, okay, well, come on in. And uh, he'd been a client of mine previously. Um, and then when I was coming out of the interview, I actually bumped into Amanda, Amanda Margison, my business partner. And Amanda saw me coming in. She'd also been a previous client. Um, at, oh, sorry, I left out Gallagher Estate. I worked there for a bit. Um, and Amanda said, what are you doing here? And I said, no, I've just had an interview with Craig for the tourism account. And she said, well, where are you going? She said, come back in. We need you. So, <laughs> and that was it. It was, that's like, sure, over 20 years ago. And Amanda and I have worked in each other's pockets since then. Um, we ran the Indaba account at Cajiso until 2007. And then we left to form our own business on Show Solutions. And that is 16 years ago that we've had the company now. Um, and at the time, roadshows were the new buzzword. That's what everyone was talking about doing roadshows. So we decided to go directly into the market and provide a much more impactful way of getting to the clients. So that was exactly what we did. And we we started from there with Africa Showcase. Um, our first show was in Ireland before just before the recession. Um, yeah. Then into the US. Uh, and it grew from there. And then simultaneously, we also then formed a business called Scan on Show um, to run Meetings Africa for South African Tourism. And they've subsequently, well, we've actually subsequently rebranded as Synergy Business Events and Synergy still running in Darwin now. Um, so, so yeah, so it's been a long history um, of the travel industry, working in the travel industry and really just bringing my passion into my daily life. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I think that that certainly is, you know, uh, you know, all the cliche sayings of if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life and all that. And I think the travel industry definitely does lend itself to to that. Um, if you can be passionate about something, it's it's uh, it's great to be able to do that, do that every day. I mean, it's I mean, I, just thinking about what you do, it must be a total logistical crazy nightmare um, <laughs> to try and arrange all these things but you seem to do it so well and I think you've obviously found the right formula um what's what strategies do you use for buyer recruitment and when you connect them with um preferred suppliers so I mean how did you go about building up that very substantial buyer database because I think that's the kind of golden egg that everybody wants and you've obviously found the the right formula there our strategy really is to make sure we work with the right people in each market. That's really it. Our strength yeah. is the logistics and bringing the right mix of exhibitors onto the road shows. But really for me, the key is having the right partners in the market. There's always so much change going on in the, the various different source markets that you need people based in country who know what they're doing. Market reps that actually understand the business um, and know the major players. And I think our facilitators have been brilliant, especially over COVID time, when we have had so much change, trying to work out who's still operating, who's left which company, which new travel designers are emerging in their own rights. It's been a huge shift. So where you thought you had a database six months ago, it's a whole different landscape now. 
So I think Absolutely. anybody who's coming into in, back into the international sales and marketing side over the last two years, we've seen a lot of people take a break from actively marketing themselves internationally. And the databases have changed substantially. So for us, the key is to have the right partners in the market and they keep a pulse on the industry for us. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's always key to have people with the ear to the ground in in the market. So that's uh, that's also very key. And as you say, databases from from certainly prior to COVID are you know they've changed so much. And I think it's important to to kind of keep up. Uh, you know, if you just watch on LinkedIn, it's actually yeah everybody's here, there, and everywhere. But uh, it's yeah. So keeping those databases up to date is is. Uh, is if you get that right, it's really a goldmine of who's still who's still working where. Um, so over the years, I mean, what what do you what do you think? I mean, COVID hit us all, but in terms of challenges in in the kind of event space, what do you can, can you picture any any situation that was that was pretty challenging, and and how did you kind of overcome that? Look, I think we've worked a lot through the different phases as an industry. Um, if we think about tourism and events, sure, I mean, some of the, like, I mean, we have hurricanes across North America and we have people that can't attend events, even if it's people that are servicing clients in Florida and you're talking about an event in Connecticut and it's like, well, why can't people come? But they're actually still servicing their clients who are stuck in Florida. But I mean, any of those sort of tourism impacts on the event side was nothing like what we had through COVID. Um, I'd say for me, my biggest challenge is to see how we've had to rebuild our business. Um, mm -hmm. Where at the start of 2020, we'd had an entire rollout of the year that was looking epic. And we had so many cool shows happening. But then with the complete shutdown, um, it was a case of how do you then go back and rebuild your business again, but with knowledge and hindsight. Um, and I mean, that can be good and bad, you know, because when you first start a business, you're naive and you just think you're gung-ho and you go with it and you think you can just make a plan. But I think when you know where the faults are and where the holes are, that's sometimes worse because then you actually know where you could trip. So sometimes it makes you a little bit too cautious. So you've got to try and balance that to still have the energy and the adventure for it. Um, because I think being an entrepreneur, you need to be able to really go for it. Um, so I think that for me has been the biggest challenge over the last few years is just rebuilding a business. Um, yeah, just yeah. making sure that we stay afloat and that we look after our team and make sure we keep delivering to the to the industry yeah that's i mean I, it's it's kind of a almost a silly question that i ask people what's the greatest challenge you've ever faced because the most obvious thing is well you know complete shutdown of our businesses for for two years uh and you know but you know i think there's so many if if you can look at any positives that have come out of it there there are like I said about myself, you know, it, it kind of swings you on a path that 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 you may have needed to go on. It just it kind of just forced you to go on, and um, it's just a very interesting time. And that's why I wanted to do the podcast, uh, particularly at the start of 2023, because as I said while we were chatting before, it's it's a it's the year that we've all been waiting for, where there are 
no restrictions on travel was you know, very very few restrictions on travel not nothing like there was and you know it's hopefully going to be the first full year 12 months where where people can um where there's no distractions no pcr tests no lockdowns red lists all that kind of stuff so i think 2023 certainly the the first year since since 2018 i mean even 2019 the restrictions started to come in so it's it's i think it's a it's going to be a great great year and i think there there is a spirit of uh, camaraderie we've spoken about this with other guests that that is is so wonderful it's it's we're all really helping each other competition competitiveness has has not fallen away too much because it's it's competition is healthy but you know there's everyone's trying to you know just help each other and swing leads people's way you know ways that um that people would have held on to tightly before which is which is great so i think that's actually been fascinating to see over the last few years is how people have rallied together and it's been a great sense of community that's come together in our industry and just to see people working together and going for that common goal of just getting the tourists back you know so how do we make it happen how do we actually work together as an industry and build together again yeah i mean abs- absolutely and and there's a great uh, a great personal joy in being able to help somebody that you know went through the same the same you know trauma as as you did and to be able to to help other people and to get help yeah it's just a, it's a wonderful spirit at the moment and what do, what do you think obviously when it comes to face to face which is your your bread and butter um is that definitely the, what do you think it taught people uh, during covid about the importance of of face to face when you know we we know how zoom can help or skype or whatever but we know that face to face is great but do you think do you think that really made people realize the importance of it during covid oh absolutely 100% i think the 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 virtual shows we we knew we needed to do um we ran a number of online shows for africa showcase and we knew we needed to do that to keep our connections with the trade and to make sure that we were still relevant in those markets um, so that the the buyers, the agents and operators could still see us there and could still see the the guys from Africa. Um, but it's not the same being in person. I mean, when we actually went back into the market, the German market last year, April, was so excited to see us. They were like, oh, my word, thank you so much for coming. They were like, this is the best event we've ever been to. You know, the American yeah. market as well last year, they were just thrilled to have us back. And I think that is so rewarding because it shows that all of the online was fine keeping us going, but people want the connection. In our industry, it's all about people. You know, I think that Zoom meetings can or um, online conferences can certainly work for other industries that aren't as reliant on the human element. But for, for the tourism sector, we have to be in the, in the market face-to-face because that's how we're going to rebuild as quickly as possible. That's how you get better results, quicker results, and better in, impact. So yeah. that's a very important part of it. No, I, mean, I, I, I don't think, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's one person that, that'll say that uh, it's face-to-face is is um, it's not better. I, I think everybody agrees. So that's, 
that's uh, certainly a great thing that we can all look look forward to as the year progresses. What uh, what I mean when it comes to you personally, what do you when it comes to productivity? Have you found anything during the pandemic that is that is like a wow tool or something that you've been using for years to kind of keep everything in check when it comes to you know the the modern tools that are at our disposal? What um you know in anything that sticks out in your mind is something that you use regularly? A wow tool for me personally? No, I think you know if I think about the tools that we use, um. It's really, it's been a case of building on um, on our own understanding of various different tools. I actually did a, um, at the start of lockdown, I overhauled our websites um, because I decided to actually spend some time really getting my head into it all. So I rebuilt the on-show website and the Africa Showcase website um, because that was always a bugbear for me. Our websites were never quite as, fast and relevant as we needed them to be. So I decided to train up on content management and really understand all of that. Um, so that was something I did personally. Um, other tools we use is we've developed a really awesome exhibition management tool um, that we use for our big shows like the MKTE, the Magical Kenya Travel Expo. Um, yeah. And the team that we work with, the suppliers, we've worked together for gosh, like 20 years now. So we've really built the, the program into what we want it to be. Um, for Africa Showcase, we run an element of that exhibition tool as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that we've really worked very hard to customize. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Um, and I mean, any other thing that you are particularly excited about? I mean, obviously the return to to trade shows and everybody coming out and and going to them but is if you look towards 2023 is there anything in particular that stands out as something that you that you're really looking forward to in terms of something that maybe you haven't done before in the in the exhibition space we are launching africa showcase in latin america oh wow there you go that is awesome so that to me that is something we've been wanting to do for years we've had so many people asking us to do something in South America. Um, so we've looked at it for a number of years. Um, we were quite keen to launch just before COVID, actually. Um, and then we decided, no, no, we have to do this. And every single year when we talk to everybody about which markets you're going into, it keeps coming up. So we decided this is the year. We've got an awesome new facilitator we're going to be working with. Um, so we're working with Andrea from Sariri Terra in South America. She's based out of Sao Paulo. And so there's some very exciting stuff coming. So it's Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, and Mexico City. So that is super, super cool. Um, that always, for me, when we go into new markets, that is the most exciting part. It's obviously, it's rewarding when we have shows that are delivering well and keep building and keep building like our our shows when we went into the US, it's still going great guns. And we've been in that market now 14 years. And that's awesome to see. It just keeps growing every year. I mean, starting in Russia was incredible. And obviously, I mean, we can't be doing that show right now, but it's just going into a new market and learning the dynamics in that market and meeting the buyers that sell Africa with so much passion and mm. building that whole network of buyers 
it's it's a really rewarding part of the process so for me uh, hitting new markets this year for africa showcase is really cool so that's october wonderful and uh so i mean i usually do this at the end but we can do it now how do how do people get in touch uh with you to to find out a bit more about how they can get involved on the africa showcase or any other exhibitions that you work on our general email is ideas at africashowcase.travel otherwise pop me an email jackie it's j-a-c-q-u-i at uh, onshowsolutions.coza um otherwise whatsapp we're always on whatsapp okay yeah that's that sounds good it's uh yeah because there must be a lot of people listening that either as a buyer that want to attend the road shows or um uh, you know as as exhibitors that want to want to go on and with them and i and i hope that yeah kuza connect can one day one day be an integral part of of everything that you do as well and part of that Indeed. ecosystem which I, which i would love um let's let's see what what um in the terms of the the industry what what are you hopeful that will still come about that that you still think we we missing a trick on um i mean what what's your kind of wish list that you that you think to yourself you know if we can just get this right it'll be so much better i mean a lot of people have have given different opinions but i'm keen to hear what what you think for me there's a couple of things here really if i think about it um one of the bits i really like the way that we've moved into a different phase of traveling um as that we've seen over the last year really emerging is this travel for a purpose and i think that people are really thinking it's you know yes sustainability yes it's responsibility all of that's been given a lot more prominence um than it did pre-covid and i think that is so important because africa can benefit so much from that but i think it's more than that you know it's about taking the time with your family uh, it's about celebrating important moments um experiencing something extra special you know and going to a country that you've always wanted to see so there's a reason for traveling you know this travel with a purpose has come through so strongly for me it's really resonated for me and that makes me then think about you know in terms of how can we leverage that moving into changes um in in the industry it's then from what we do you know when you go into a market you really need to connect with the buyers on a level that they are going to understand so when you go into a market you really need to tailor your offering so differently um you know we saw really during covid time with our online shows when you met with the nordic market they wanted all the details the nordic market is always very detail oriented they wanted the details of the protocols they wanted to know what was happening so that they could share that with their clients and have all of the updates whereas when we met with the australian market for example the australian market expected that we had all of our protocols in place they wanted mm. to keep selling the dream of travel you know so it was a very different take and if you take that concept into the markets each market needs to have a customized approach and i don't think that we're always doing that um as a destination i think you know for me during the last couple of years i really got into the niche of food tourism on a personal level um you know as a way of exploring the world in a very hands on and immersive way when i 
when I travel, I really like to include a food tour or um, some sort of cultural food experience. Um, Amanda and I have certainly done enough wine tasting, well, never enough wine tastings um, yes, in no. various parts of the world. But, you know, that's a whole sector of tourism on its own when you're looking at, at wine tourism. So, you know, there's so many other ways to immerse yourself in a destination and there's so many opportunities that we haven't yet tapped into um, as a destination. We just, I still believe we're selling too broadly um, as Africa, as what we're offering. There's so many more immersive ways to do it. Um, and I think also as a destination, we need to also think about the different audiences and the different ages that are coming through. You know, traditionally, Africa was uh, a much old, it was a much old audience coming through to Africa. It still is coming out of North America, coming out of Europe. It's still a, very much an older audience. But we're now seeing a millennial age, a different age traveling, and they're wanting different stuff. So mm. we need to think a bit more about how we can target that age group. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, when you talk about things that need to change, it's, it is quite a lot. I think the, as you say, the different age groups of people traveling and the more immersive tourism, the, the cultural tourism, the eco-tourism, everything, uh, everything is is um, is different. I think the formula worked for a, a, a length of time, but now, yeah, there just needs to be a, a few little tweaks in, in what, what people are, are looking for. I think the getting off a coach, taking a photo, getting back on the coach is those days are are not there there needs to be far more interesting and i i think what what any destination needs to understand is that there is such a such a competition now uh, as as to um who's you know the the the, the post covid traveler and what people are looking for and we need to yeah give give people the that that edge and africa's got so much to give and i just think we need to tap into all those different wonderful wonderful things that we've got all over the continent you know even new countries um i'm going to be talking a bit in the uk about we launching burundi as a destination um to to the uk my client pinnacle africa they yeah they they a wonderful dmc for burundi so you know there's all these wonderful countries that people want to visit um and there's just they haven't been highlighted yet so mm, yeah all absolutely. the all the different off off the track um off the track uh, places as well so when it when it comes to young entrepreneurs who are looking at wanting to expose their their product into the international arena what um i mean you okay so Here's the opportunity to do this: the sales pitch for for Onshow Solutions and the Africa Showcase. What what would you say to someone who's kind of sitting on the fence as to whether to join your show or not? Um, obviously, there's a cost involved, so that has to be taken into consideration. But you know, in terms of any like major success stories you can think of, or just in general what they can expect from attending a roadshow in terms of being able to to sell their product to, to the international audience. I think for me, the key is to work out how you're going to spend your time, invest your time and your money in the best possible way. So you could be on the road for three, four weeks and not see nearly as many people as you would on a road show. We actually calculated out um, in the North American market in terms of what it's costing now to do your own sales trip 
you're, if you're coming onto a roadshow, you're seeing two to three times more buyers for the amount of money in the town that we have you mm. on the road with us. So, you you know, when you're coming with us, you're seeing the pre-qualified buyers. You're not even having to sift through them yourself. We've already mm. done all that work to filter through who's got the potential to sell Africa um, and who the right people are that are currently selling Africa or moving into the Africa department. Um, so you've already got all of that work done for you. You can then just really come in and sell your product or your experience, which saves a huge amount of time and it just gives you faster returns. Yeah, I mean, that's hit the nail on the head right there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to my fair share of roadshows uh, exhibiting and buying. So it's uh, it's different. And wh what is the sort of average length of time that that a, that a um, exhibitor would get? Like 20 minutes, half an hour, somewhere around there? 15 minutes. It yeah. depends on the on each of the shows. So we we tend to work the market dynamics will determine the format that we have on the show. So if it's if the majority tend to work really well with product rotation. So a kind of speed networking concept where you get to meet all of the buyers in the room in quite a fast way so that it's high impact, high energy. You work out then who the right people are for you that you then need to do your follow-ups with. So you get to meet everyone, you get those meetings and the introductions, and then you get the networking time after. So it really is to bring you directly into contact with the right buyers. Yeah, that's uh, 100%. And then also, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the after hours events that that your roadshows um, take into account as well. I'm not obviously they're not all um, sort of like exhibitions, but your exhibitions have a lot of evening events and offsite events that allow for a lot of networking as well. I've just attended uh, Magical Kenya that that you uh, had a hand in running and that was that was great as well because they there was a lot of offsite uh, events pre and post fams that give uh, businesses an opportunity to showcase their product so um absolutely if I was um trying to trying to get my name out in, into the market I would definitely uh, get in touch with with you and then you can um Put, you know hopefully put people on the right track um so yeah, jackie so, Graham, you... that's exactly right you know if you think about it it's the after hours events that happen so at like mkte those are the events that um as an industry that's where we all get together and the networking time is so important Graham. i mean that's really what we talk about the people industry the human element of our industry and that's where when you think about the atra event at mkte that everyone's attending and that's where so much of the relationships are formed in our industry, you know. So yeah, that's super important as as a sector. Yeah, I think I think what yet another lesson that COVID taught us was the importance of of that one on one relationship that you had with people because you know if you've got that relationship, if there is a major issue which a lot of people face during COVID in terms of logistics and bookings and cancellations, it's it's a lot easier to deal with somebody that you know on a one-to-one -one personal level. You know, obviously the, the primary relationship is business, but when you get to know people and you get to know them personally and you, you know, spend late nights chatting and getting to know somebody, it's far more, it's far easier to resolve issues on a, on a, on a personable level um, when, when you've got those relationships. And I think that's certainly what your what your roadshows and what exhibitions in general can 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 give you, and yet another way to highlight the importance of of getting out into the field and 
and and nurturing those relationships. And you know something else, just as a a spin-off from the roadshows, we see a huge amount of business gets done between the exhibitors. So when you're traveling, you build those relationships with people when you're on a joint marketing roadshow. The reality is that we're doing a huge amount of business between East Africa and Southern Africa, and you may not necessarily have those partners in place. So by coming on a roadshow, you get to travel with other people from Africa that you might suddenly realize that this is somebody I need to send my clients to. So that that comes as a, a spin-off from the roadshows. You're obviously going on the roadshows first and foremost to meet with the source market, but it's a, a great benefit that you then build other business relationships. And how many people, how many exhibitors do you generally take on a roadshow? On a European show, we average about 20 companies. So that's okay. usually the, the base for the European shows because you can't overwhelm the buyers. So we're always very aware that the number of buyers in each of the markets we go to in each city, the number of buyers are limited. So you can't overwhelm them. You can't go into the market with 40 exhibitors if you're going to have 30 to 40 buyers at the event. Your ratio is wrong. So Mm. you need to balance that quite carefully. Um, So in the US, it's different. We tend to go with a much bigger group because in North America, your numbers are just much wider in terms of people selling Africa. Um, So that's a different ratio there. Um, And then also when you're on the exhibitions, you're looking at one-to-one, one-to-two on the exhibitions versus number of, I'm talking number of exhibition companies versus number of hosted buyers. You've always got to have that magic ratio because otherwise your balance for a show is out. And then as an exhibitor, you don't get your return on your investment if there's too many exhibitors trying to get that same buyer. Yeah, that's very true. And that and uh I'm sure everybody listening can can see the experience coming through there because you obviously you've you've uh, the formula that you found is tried and tested and and you you're rolling out you're rolling out the a tried and tested formula which is which is which is great and what everybody needs. You need to hit the ground running. Um so yeah, yeah, we time. have to. It's time to do this. 2023 is here. It's time to go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly the reason why I've I've done the podcast and and thanks uh, again, Jackie, for for joining us. I think we can we can wrap things up. I think we've we've found some something. You know, had a great conversation, and let's hope uh, we've inspired some some companies to to have a look at getting out into the field. Um, yeah, both our companies are are experienced in international marketing, so. If um, you've you know, the how to get hold of you will be in the description, and uh, how to get hold of me is like all over the web, so <laughs> it's not hard to find how to get hold of Graham Watson. Yeah, so oh, thanks, thanks again, Jackie. And and uh, are you going skiing again anytime soon? Yeah, definitely heading off in February. Going to go and be learn to learn to ski. We definitely feel like South Africans that have been dropped into the middle of the Alps. We definitely are a bit out of our depth. It's a whole different world. I'm better on water skiing than I am on snow skiing. I'll let you know how it goes. I broke my shoulder skiing, so I have to get uh, <laughs> oh, no. I have to get back on that horse. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd finally found a sport that I was good at and went up to the top of the mountain and I don't know. Somehow felt like I ended up on a double black diamond slope or whatever because I was just going so fast. Um, yeah, ended up breaking my shoulder and being in the middle of Times Square New Year's Eve with a broken shoulder oh, was nice. yeah was interesting. <laughs> but um, so yeah, but anyway, it's one of those things I feel I have to at least try once more and 
hope I don't break my shoulders. So maybe I'll come to France and thanks for the scare stories. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta be careful. <laughs> gotta be careful. Wear a helmet. I don't think I wore a helmet. So yeah, just um if once once you're learning, just remember all that. Mm. Um yeah. Awesome. All right, well, thanks. Graham, thanks, thanks for the Jack. chat. Lovely to see you. No problem. I'll let you know when everything comes online and when it's launching. And thanks to all the listeners as well. Thanks a lot. Okay, dogs. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation, then please subscribe, leave us a great review, and even check out our Patreon page. Until next time, I'm Graham Watson, and thanks for listening to the Cooser Cast.